One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this is one of our deep dives. What are we going to dive deep into? Well, uh, the rich, fulfilling pool of beautiful, shining water that is Vision <laughs> Season 2, Part 2. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. Kerplunk, I'm getting that <laughs> Uh, I just uh, finished watching this not too long before we uh, sat down to record, so spoilers right away. I am feeling the uh, the cleansing high of the beauty of that uh, final uh, uh, episode in oh, Vision yeah. Seasons 2, uh, Au's song. Oof, very beautiful, yeah. very cleansing. Love that, love that. Yeah, I can't wait to get to that. I uh, can't wait to get to the Ollies, of, of course. It's been an inter- interesting experience with this second volume for me. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you are just catching up, if you're just finding Force Center and this is the first episode you're listening to, we love doing these deep dives. We talk about everything that is uh, that is fun, the aesthetics, uh, all that great stuff. We also like to talk about the big ideas as well as some favorite moments of action, comedy, and just great beautiful visuals and visions. Uh, we had a part one of Vision Season 2 that we put out a week ago. We really want to be able to let these breathe a little bit and get to the details of all of them. So now we're going to be discussing uh, the back half of the season, uh, the uh, the second five. But first, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For the last time, for now, we are going to recommend Battle Scars by Sam Meggs. Uh, we've been recommending it for a while. We did get a chance to read it a couple weeks back, and we did a deep dive into that book. Lots of great and interesting stuff. And uh, we discovered that we were all wearing the same medallion around here, <laughs> spiritually, as Grease Dritus. Good old open shirt, grumpy Grease Dritus. Uh, so if you've read the book or, uh, or and you want to listen to that podcast, go for it. If you have not experienced the book and want to listen, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. We're also doing a segment called Ask, where... We ask things, Ken. <laughs> we do. We do. This title started because Joseph and I were raised uh, in, regionally here in America and just, I don't know how we took in life. Well, we're afraid to ask for help sometimes. We're afraid <laughs> to ask uh, you to check out things we do. And so uh, this is beyond just advertising uh, certain parts of our brand. It's, 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 it's looking to the community to build a stronger. So it's a, it's, a, it's a walk of leap of faith for us as well. But we're asking mm-hmm. That you consider checking out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash force center. We have a current goal over there. We're going to do another exclusive Star Wars ranked live, exclusive to the live Patreon audience, and then release to the public later. To do so, we're uh, when the, we're going to make that possible when we hit uh, $2,200 a month. We're very close to making that goal. The last one was our favorite sequel trilogy scenes. Uh, so if you want to consider supporting and helping us reach that goal, head over to patreon.com slash force center. Also there right now is their Indiana Jones and the Perilous podcast series. Uh, as of right now, the three episodes are up. We're through Temple of Doom. We have an overall a Raiders look, a Temple of Doom look, and the rest of the films on the way. This lead up to uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's been a lot of fun, and I, I really want you all to check that out. Um, and that it's all there at patreon.com slash force center. Yeah, that is great. Uh, a very good, clear ask, Ken, and an honest, emotional one. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's still hard for me. <laughs> it is still hard. It's really hard. Uh, as, as people uh, might know, as, as I'm recording this, I'm running a Kickstarter campaign, and that's one big ask. And, and it is, it's, I know it is. it can be stressful for lots of people to ask for help, but it is really uh, fighting through some programming for me and i know it is uh for you so uh mm-hmm. glad to uh, have all of the wonderful support all of the wonderful answers to our asks uh in particular with people joining us on the uh, the patreon thank you all so much to everybody who has done that all right let's dive into vision season two part two uh ken i meant to put this in the show notes but I forgot uh, I always like checking in about kind of how and when you watch these what kind of emotional state <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, did you watch them all in a bunch did you spread them out how did your viewing experience go for this back half of the season 
ended up uh, watching them all in one day, but then doing the the, the notes version a little bit uh, later, uh, just before we recorded to keep it all uh, fresh. And, and, and I think it's it's uh, that's why I do like uh, talking about the, how we taking this in, and then how we're talking about it. I I, I had much like uh, the first half of this uh, review where we did the four episodes, we did the last five. I had a sigh, blank bleep. I gotta watch that right, like homework assignment vibe. I forgot. We're, we're doing that Wednesday. Joseph and I got to talk. I've got to watch these. I can't believe I forgot. Uh, I was also traveling over the weekend. So I, I, I approached it with it. With it. it was a grumpy energy. It was a grumpy energy. And and visions, uh, both volumes are loved by so many people. I think they're very important. We'll talk about it at the end. But I have this like, all right, yeah, it's, it's maybe not, you know, not for me as much as other people. Uh, I have that kind of dismissive attitude. And, and, and it's unfortunate. Um, and I'll tell you. I, it, that all went away real quick, real quick. <laughs> and uh, I, I've been loving this batch and feeling it. And I, and I finally got around to watching the filmmaker focus stuff, which is on the Disney plus extras where the, you spend about nine to 10 minutes with the filmmakers. And I, I really recommend people do that after they watch these episodes. Cause you get, you get a real, um, you feel the passion and you feel the, the love of star Wars and the love of, of, of story and, and art. Um, and that made my, Second viewing from the notes version, just, uh, you know, even more uh, fulfilling. So from grumpy to uh, feeling love for these (laughs) in one night. Oh, that is great. That is great. And I haven't got a chance to watch the filmmaker focus, but I'm because I didn't know they were there. Uh, But I'm thrilled to know it because I think some of the power of these is they are wonderful pieces of art of text that you can analyze with no other information, but because they are lots of different people's perspectives on star Wars. Some of what is enjoyable about it for me is like, Oh, and I want to understand more of that perspective mm-hmm. <laughs> of mm-hmm. uh, what, why is this the part of star Wars uh, you gravitated to how, how might you process uh, uh, the same theme in a different way because of what your culture has gone through and what your culture celebrates. Um, that stuff is, is one of the most rewarding parts of watching vision. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to get a little bit more time with the creators um, for myself, is same thing. I absolutely love the first season of Visions and have a handful of them, like I was saying before, that I that I rewatch when I'm just like, I, I don't have much time, but I got to eat breakfast. I got 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to accidentally start a Clone Wars rewatch by, by just watching Lightsaber Lost uh, again. So <laughs> I'll just watch an episode of Visions. And there's so many in the second season that I think I'm going to be like, yeah, I just, I just want to watch that art. I just want to see mm-hmm. that. I just want to feel that emotion. So... I absolutely love them, but uh, I've been busy. We've been busy with Four Center and keeping up with the with Indiana Jones means, you know, watching an extra movie a week, all, all these great things. Wonderful. Not a problem, uh, but it can make you it can make me step away just a tiny bit from the magic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the OK, great. It's I have my analytical hat on and just I have a half an hour and I must analyze this one. Um, yeah. And I watched uh, the first one in his back half, uh, Journey to the Dark Head, and enjoyed the hell out of it. We'll, we'll talk about it. But had a little bit of that, like, I could feel that I was not one with the Force. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was like, I, I had, like, two hours set aside. And I was just like, I am not one with the Force. I appreciated the messages in this. I'm going to take a deep breath and come back to this later in the evening when I am one with the Force. Because I've been looking forward to the next one, the Spy Dancer, since it was announced. Uh, mm-hmm. so the, the, uh, the, this back half of the season actually did take me on a, a journey that is similar to many of the themes of 
<laughs> Take a deep breath, focus, connect. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, I'm not bringing this. I've been looking forward to Spite Answer for, I don't know how many, how a year since it was announced. I don't know. I don't remember. Six months. Uh, and I just took a, a deep breath and just watched that one. And and we'll talk about it. I think well, a favorite for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I watched several more last night. I watched uh, several more this morning. It was great. Uh, but I really got the experience of just, uh, this isn't about analysis. This is just about love, uh, that mm-hmm. my wife came home, uh, late last night after a dance rehearsal. And it was so fun because we haven't even had a time to finish visions, uh, season one. She, we haven't even had time to watch bad batch together. So she hasn't mm-hmm. seen bad batch. She hasn't had time to stay up on everything. And when she got home, I was like, do you have just 20 minutes to watch some star war? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I need to eat. And I was like, I'm not going to tell you anything about this. I just want you to see this. And it mm-hmm. was so great to also see it through her eyes. Uh, and it really reconnected me to the, just the love of mm-hmm. what visions is capable of these mm-hmm. bite-sized, beautiful, different takes on star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, well said, well said. That's what we got here. And yeah, again, I think it's important to set where we're coming from or where we walked in because that's that's all of our experiences out there. Hard day at work. Uh, kids at school, cousin props. Who knows? You get home, you want to watch Star Wars and sometimes uh, it doesn't hit you the right way or you don't think you like it because all the outside influences and you must drop to your knees like Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon and focus. <laughs> I've always thought of Qui-Gon uh, meditating because he does close his eyes, but it is funny to imagine that he's watching a show on the laser gate there in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the feed generator. Of the, he's yeah. just watching his stories. Uh, it looks like meditation, but he's he's mm-hmm. thinking of his, his favorite hollow soap opera. <laughs> That's what's going on. All right, let's dive into discussing these because there's much to discuss. Uh, first up is episode five, Journey to the Dark Head uh, by Studio Mir, uh, South Korea, uh, directed by Park Hyung Jun, written by Chung Sarong. Uh, what was your overall reaction to this one, Ken? The thing that jumped out to me uh, in this one is the, the the feel of the South Korean, South Korean design. Uh, just culture, a lot of those aspects came in here. And that's that's one of the big things Visions wants to do, right? It is just like, what, what does Star Wars mean to you? But also put yourself into Star Wars. And I really saw that one jumped out. And the designs. I love the story. We're going to get into the story. But I, uh, when I keep saying this thing of, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad Visions isn't canon. Uh, I take remove that, 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 that pressure or, or just the need to worry about it, right? Just let the mm-hmm. story go. But I still look at some of the designs in all of these and go, man, but I'd love to see that in in canon Star Wars, meaning just to a larger audience, live action, big screen. Like, I, I don't think Visions is here to recruit talent to the roster, but that wouldn't be a bad byproduct. <laughs> if, if you just get some of these other, there's the, some of the visuals in this, um, the, the ring, the statues, everything about, even the concept of the force oracles, uh, things that are different. And, and, and that's kind of the, a victory um for this whole series, but particularly for this one, that, that, that jumped out more than anything else. And I just love, uh, this one had a big epic lore world building kind of vibe to it. Yeah. There were some great visuals in that, and this one. And, and I, I love the ideas, but I think it was that energy of the world building in the literal physical movement that I gravitated to the most. And I know exactly what you mean of like, um, the ones, uh, like this that are particularly dynamic in the movement in like the way they show energy of 
mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. trailing Sith scorpion tail weapon. Um, you know, yeah. uh, just some of the like, even the the kind of great fun motion lines behind a ship. Uh, it's not like I literally want uh, live action Star Wars to be animated with motion lines, although that would be cool. <laughs> <That'd> be um, cool. <laughs> but it gets you excited to see these ideas that are kind of uh, turned up to 11 uh, in animation form. So I really loved the visual style. I loved how dynamic it was. Uh, I love how much the visual style emphasized scale is, uh, is something mm-hmm. I really liked in, in Screechers Reach, uh, but this one really did it too. And I think it tied into kind of the big picture ideas that there was a lot of seeing how tiny people were compared to what yeah. they were dealing with to make it feel mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe futile, but also no, you're actually connected mm-hmm. to all that nature, even though you're just a little tiny part of it uh, was mm-hmm. beautiful visually. And I think tied into the ideas. Um, and I also think the, there's uh, such an emphasis on nature um, mm-hmm. in, in the ideas of this one, the, the rain bringing the visions uh, that kind of thing that having those huge, beautiful establishing shots of mm. the environment. A, a lot of the, the, uh, the uh, episodes of visions do that, but this one, it, it felt extra powerful to see these kind of big, mm. beautiful brooding vistas. Yeah. There's some pretty uh, powerful and just that well, there's a couple, but uh, just pulling back and seeing the scope of the, the statues up there, the the light and the dark and everything about it, and just the scale, like you said, I I, I had um had you know my my breath taken away, and it wasn't just the breakfast burrito; it was just like oh wow, <laughs> you know? uh, was that beautiful or am I choking on a I'm breakfast burrito? I'll make be yeah, yeah. Um, my uh, this is not a criticism; this is a truth. Uh, for me, in the the visions episodes. Uh, there are some that are dealing with uh, conflicts and beats that I feel like we're we're getting to see a lot in Star Wars. And it does mm-hmm. not mean that I don't like them, uh, but they don't hit me as hard as some of these episodes of Visions that find um, plot-wise, vision-wise, an entirely different way into the Star Wars themes. Yeah. Um, so this one and one of the other ones, I enjoyed it. It is not a criticism. Beautiful, but... It's, it's, you know, dark side, light side, lightsabers, um, you know, a, a risk of falling to the dark side, all great stuff. But this is, this is one where I feel like um, it is the, the different cultural take that gives it power to me because some of the other ideas uh, we've seen a lot in Star Wars recently. Uh, yes, yes, I know exactly what you mean, exactly what you're saying. And this is kind of the thing of if you're just kind of skating through these like, oh, watch Visions. Uh, some of the themes become seem familiar because they're universal, right? But mm-hmm. also they're so key to Star Wars. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, and and I think again, that's far below why I gra- gravitated to the visuals. But there's some definitely interesting themes uh, and stuff at stake. I know. Yeah. So let's dive into it. And again, the caveat: uh, this is not a I didn't like this one. It's uh, that I gravitated more to others. Anyway, so let's talk about the ideas at stake in Journey to the Dark Head. What did you feel it was about? What did you think was at stake? Well, the balance, the ebb and flow, but really uh, deep down was, you know, that time-honored Star Wars tradition of fear and hope. But I saw it as, you know, there's two things going on. Uh, the the Jedi, Tol, God, I wrote down Tol, the name. Yeah, T-O-U-L, Tol. Yep, there you go. 
Uh, I made sure to do that this time. Uh, you know, have, going recover, trying to recover from that trauma, uh, witnessing the death of his master, and how fear and trauma will then dominate his path. So there's a little bit of like, am am I a Jedi? Why am I a Jedi? What do I do with that? Where on the other side, uh, you have a, a Force Oracle uh, Aura turn turn pilot, you know, and 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 that is questioned at one point. Even uh, there's a joke, but uh, yeah, about automatic flight controls, but <laughs> like you're not a real pilot, and and who you are, and what's your place in the story, and and all that. Not not being uh, sure about that. Uh, not being sure about where you go next and 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 how to kind of just let things kind of flow and go where you need to go could lead to certain kind of, uh, of fear and certain kind of losses of of hope. Um, so I, I kind of I, I I pulled that out of it there. You know, you know he he's told uh, told told the Jedi will fall and that feeds mm-hmm. into hopeless because what, what does it even matter? What does it even matter when the, the Sith are going to come for us all anyway? Why am I even here? Why am I a Jedi and I can't go get vengeance? Like I I, I love some of those questions there. Different view yeah. of fear. Yeah, no, I, I really agree with you. And I think um, I should modify what I said. I think some of the surface uh, level stuff of a fallen master, a Jedi mm-hmm. who might uh, fall to the dark side, some, you know, pilot Jedi banter, um, some of that stuff, I feel like those storytelling beats we've seen before in, in these. But the, the themes, they, they did get into some really interesting, uh, almost answering some discussions that I think come up a lot in mm-hmm. Star Wars uh, sort of philosophical storytelling. And one is the this part that you're talking about of uh, your fate is not sealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is so much in Star Wars where uh, characters are told this is your destiny, period. Uh, Vader and Palpatine tell Luke what is going to happen to him, period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, how it's going to end up. Where in contrast, Yoda and Obi-Wan tell him he has the responsibility to face a challenge he can't avoid that, but the outcome of the challenge is yeah. open. But you can't avoid the challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas the dark setters are telling you, "Nope, it's done. Your fate is sealed." Uh, lots of great discussion mm-hmm. we've had about the sequel trilogy of uh, uh, Kylo uh, Ben Solo when he is consumed by by darkness says awful things to Ray about her mm-hmm. lack of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does Palpatine. Um, so I, I I love that this uh, this story is dealing pretty directly with two characters who are on different life paths, but they find themselves entwined with the same sort of challenge of pushing back on your fate being sealed. Um, Ara was kind of told that this is your exact way of life. We just analyze uh, these uh, visions, these prophecies, and we write them down. That's your way of life. And she pushed back on her fate um you know willing to destroy her home it seemed a sacred place uh and it seemed like there was some amount of uh belief that well you know what it we're at war in the general war with the sith and we've seen this happen sometimes when a when a padawan is too young when their master gets murdered in front of them well we're just counting the days yeah yeah <laughs> until they fall to the dark side for so for poor tool seems like he was just like on this train where he's like yep I, my fate is sealed i'm gonna fall to the dark side um mm-hmm. and i feel like they both broke through this sense that their fate is sealed uh and in great classic star wars way uh they didn't give in to anger and hate they stopped the sith and they did it specifically through teamwork and sacrifice by yeah. coming together, not quite realizing that they were going through the same uh, trial, the same 
similar traumas uh, and connecting, working together. And the Jedi tool, in order to stop the Sith, being willing to sacrifice himself and then being rescued by her was all great, um, beautiful Star Wars storytelling. Yeah, but pulling off from that thread of, of of nothing is fixed and and light and dark will always coexist, and we we heard that here. We've heard, heard that a lot. I, I love there was a little angle on it that just kind of I don't know grabbed me at the right time of you know light and dark always ex- coexisting and always being there. It, it, that that's they put it they phrase it as hope and despair, mm-hmm. and it's so easy because when we lean into fear, lean into. Um, you know, our darker sides or just our simple anxieties, which sometimes, again, you can't avoid. It. I think that's also one of the things you're kind of highlighting is the challenge will always be there. Um, what you do with it and how you react um, is up to the up to you. And I, I hate that that sounds like some, you know, um, carnival Barker philosophy. But uh, you know what I mean? And, and, and the idea being that uh, hope is always present and it's so easy to focus on the despair. So mm. easy to do that first. And so easy to question your place in it. Question, why should I even try? Why should I do this? Um, or even overlooking where you are and how where you are sometimes is what's important, right? And and uh, so, yes, there is light. And yes, there is dark. And I think we want to fight that dark. We don't want to remove that dark. But, uh, you know, uh, that the, the hope is is always present if you look for it. And I, I just thought that came through real, real nice. Yeah, no, I didn't write down that particular line of dialogue, but the, I really like that. Like, yes, there is a huge, ominous wave coming, mm-hmm. and we can't stop the wave. Um, we will have to ride the wave mm-hmm. out, but that wave contains both despair and hope. Uh, it mm-hmm. was such a great idea. Totally agree with you. I think this was a, a, a also kind of answering a nuance of Star Wars philosophy debate of... Uh, this was a really beautiful visually depiction of you can't cut off the head of the dark side. You, the mm-hmm. dark side is forever. It's natural. It's a part of things. Uh, I loved that it was sort of the uh, 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 the yin and yang image uh, idea mm-hmm. within the heads as the energy of the two mix. So she couldn't just cut off the mm-hmm. one. Uh, so the literal plot of this was you can't cut off the head of the dark side you can't mm. end the dark side but you sure can and i think should <laughs> mm. cut off the head of one sith um mm. Mm. i think sometimes mm. i've heard the fan discussion of like well wasn't the force in balance when there are hundreds of jedi and hundreds of sith because we're mm. counting numbers and those are the jedi and the sith are people who act on the force Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, the story of the Sith and, and there's interviews with, with Lucas, uh, mm-hmm. talking to the Clone Wars team, I believe, uh, writing team about this, uh, it, the dark side is always going to be there. Pain and sorrow and death and challenges. Those are always going to be there. The natural part of existence and the cycles of life. The Sith choose to accelerate those things yeah. <laughs> that yeah. rob a people of hope, uh, joy, family, connection, and spread the dark side to an unnatural extent. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought this was a great way to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Um, It Mm -hmm. wasn't vengeance or anger uh, that Tool was feeling. He just did what what he needed to do to stop somebody who was uh, uh, creating great pain and sorrow uh, Mm -hmm. by accelerating the dark side 
beyond its natural state to mm-hmm. uh, consuming everything. Yeah, this well said, and 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 I'm always looking for ways to explain this, right? Because I, I I I am very much a ain't no great Jedi T-shirt guy, right? But but mm-hmm. that, that that sometimes that does not you know that statement does not allow for the nuance of there's transitions. You might be in the middle of things. Discover self discovery is big with Star Wars, right? Like like mm-hmm. like I'm there for that, and 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 the way I look at it, the way I've tried to explain it to myself and then explain it to the world. Is you know all right, that sequence in, in, on Octo with Luke and, and Ray and and the balance stuff. All right, so you see the set, the the little porg, you know, eggs and there's death, and that's sad. No one wants to see sad porgs with dead egg, dead you know, cracked eggs. That's but that's natural. The Sith come along, pick up the eggs and chuck them into the ocean. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what that's that's what the Sith do. So the Jedi are there to stand before that. So that's my dumb way of looking at it. This is the artistic way of looking at it and a beautiful, um, you know, revelation of, oh my gosh, a journey to the dark head. Well, there's light and dark in that particular statue, just like there's the other one and how, how that's where you got to find yourself. And then how, how a Sith can look at it and be like, see, told you we're always here. You might as well give into it. There's a great line of enjoy it. Enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. I thought that, that was, was great. great. And I'll feed into to what you're talking about here is uh, yeah. That we can't have you doing it. That is not balanced. The presence of Sith is not balanced. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I the uh, I think that all extremely well said. I, when I was working on the uh, Star Wars counseling episode uh, many years ago, now uh, getting asked uh, about that this exact balance question, <laughs> the the Porgs are a, a great, great <laughs> way to talk about it. Because yeah, they die. It's natural. It's sad. That's different than just a Sith just coming to that island and just going. Porg's got to go. <laughs> That's not egg. natural. Yeah, 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 That's not natural. And that every time that that you you wonder about this, just imagine yeah. uh, Sith just going, "Ah, eh, I'm gonna take out these porgs." Not cool. Yeah. A, a hero must rise to stop that. Yeah, um, and, and, and 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 no Jedi's walking along going, "Well, occasionally I stomp eggs." I'm great. <laughs> I'm a great. I'm between. Sometimes I stomp eggs. Sometimes I save them. Yeah. Not good. yeah. No. Save the eggs, mm-hmm. uh, which I think takes me to the 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 uh, final big theme of this episode to me, and it's all very intertwined. Uh, but I thought this one was really great about the importance of taking action because I think the other part of uh, this ide- philosophical idea of well, the light and the dark side exist is not an excuse to go like, well, yeah. So some days you save people, and other days when you're mad, you just run run your use your car and run people over. What are you going to do? It's light and dark. They're both. You got to balance it. Like, uh, no, (laughs) uh, or just accept it. It's, it's more the idea of apathy, right? Of, well, it's all that we're always going to be at war. So what's the point, which is, you know, brought up explicitly, uh, in this. And I think that was the most effective and powerful part of it. That Ara was, they're both main characters, but we start with Ara, so she's a little bit of our perspective character. Um, and the first thing that she does is push back on the idea that in this sacred place with these uh, amazing rains uh, that create these prophecies of image, all we do is write them down. We don't act on them. So it immediately raises this question that that's, that's what it's about. Um, that gets, I think, really underlined by her realization that she was the third figure in her own prophecy. What a great way to tell 
to, to share the idea of it's so easy to feel like everything is so big and so out of our control. Uh, this We're just being washed up in this story. The people who control the story are somewhere else rather than being able to say, but my actions do matter. I am a part of the story. Uh, realizing that she was it, a, an active figure in the prophecy is such a huge, huge uh, picture to add up that uh, things are not totally out of our control, mm-hmm. even though it's natural that the light in the dark coexists. It is still an imperative uh, to take action and try to fight for the light side. Um, and the, the conversation they have about the wave and about hope and despair, I also thought was just really important to Star Wars conversations of this war has been going on forever. It's really hard to see the end of it. So it's hard to keep saying we are part of the story we are not just passive observers. We can help end this war. We are going to be a part of fighting for the light side. And even when we get to the amazing victory of this war ending, someday there might be another one. Mm-hmm. And that does not mean that giving everything we have to stop this injustice is somehow wasted. Um, yeah. This conversation comes up so so much with with people feeling like, the victory of Return of the Jedi is is hollow because the First Order returned, because Ben fell. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as always, I, I want to have respect for people who have different opinions. And, and I really understand that perspective from people who liked Star Wars as, um, as a fairy tale, more mm-hmm. grounded in fantasy uh, than, than hyper-realism. And that's a happily ever after moment. And they go on and they have adventures, but yeah. they won, period. Uh, I get I get wanting to approach it that way, but one of the reasons I I like the sequels is I think it it invests in this this honesty of challenges reemerge, uh, and mm. you, you got to fight to win the war, and then you need to fight as, as much as possible to try to stop another war from happening. Uh, but that doesn't mean that that initial victory was was empty. Um, the the analogy I've made before of like if you're twenty years old. Mm-hmm. And you almost get hit by a van and somebody pushes you out of the way. Uh, and then you live another 35 years and that same van almost hits you again. I think you think it was worthwhile that you were pushed out of the way and had years of happiness. And the, the, our yeah. heroes in the original trilogy uh, created years of, mm-hmm. of a better galaxy mm-hmm. without direct imperial oppression and i think people who lived happy lives in those 35 years look at that ewok dance party and say it was damn well worth it <laughs> i love it when you and i try to break it down explain it poor gags advance and and <laughs> as if that when you were 20 and that you got pushed out of the way of that van that there was no more vans you know the vans are gone. <laughs> that threat's gone we're done with the vans like and and you know i'm with you too like the ewok dance party was wonderful it, it, it fueled so much joy in my childhood but the story has to continue and i think the, the yeah we're getting into now we're gonna just get into sequel era conversations but i think that's that's the lesson of this morality tale it's about not just the 12 year olds but all of us the continued journey with what and, and i i think you're absolutely right that vision of the the, the stone and her realizing it, it was her all along goes to who you are, who you are in the story, your place is kind of where it is, right? And sometimes we we can be 
we could look to the, the binary sunset and dream of where we want to be. Or sometimes we can overlook what's going on right in front of us because of what you're saying, the size, the scope, the scale of it is really overwhelming. Uh, and, mm. and, uh, so, you know, you can get lost in that. You can't, you know, and again, she's not being, she can't, doesn't look at that stone and is like, oh, it's me. Because life never does that, right? Mm -mm. I'm waking up today, not sure what, you know, am I heading in the right direction? You don't know. You don't know. You just have to, you know, choose hope over fear. Uh, yeah. And, and that's just on podcasting for me. Now add it to world <laughs> galaxy stakes. It's a little yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it more because it comes up in, in some of the other uh, shorts as well, that it is very easy to feel small and powerless and to lose hope. And I I certainly wrestle with those things on a daily basis and some days absolutely lose the battle. I had a couple days like that recently where I lost that battle. Mm. Um, but it, it is worth fighting. And I think the dark side, uh, Sith, Imperials, people who want to control all the power, all the resources, uh, oppressed people want us as individuals feel like it is totally out of scale for us to do anything, that we are not part of the story, that there's no point in even trying. Um, and I think that to me was ultimately my, my favorite thing about this. I don't think stopping that one Sith Lord that probably put a tiny dent in the war, but it made a huge difference to those two people to Ara and Tool who came back together and how many people are Ara and Tool going to go on to help and how big of a difference is that one act going to echo out and make uh, if it if it never does anything but it brought those two together uh, that was beautiful and worth it that mm -hmm. actions are worth it yep pushing that Sith van out of the way is good in that moment good for them <laughs> and good for others down the line I agree with you that's the big theme the light side and the van side they they work together <laughs> And the vans are never going away. Uh, did you have any specific favorite moments from this one? Action, comedy, a specific shot. One of the funnier lines was uh, when she's uh, ours kind of uh, talking to her, mumbling to herself. And <laughs> Tool says, I can hear you and I'm not a kid. I, I, I love that kind of comedy uh, when <laughs> it's used um, sparingly. Uh, and I love love that vibe there. Um, yeah. So uh, I think I'm Yeah. Comedy wise. And that was one of my favorite beats. I don't have any other comedy bits. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, for me, uh, the uh, I loved that there was a Swokes Swokes, uh, mm. the species that is Gragra. Oh, we, yeah, yeah, Gragra. Yeah, <laughs> great. Yes, uh, our our uh, our our Beatles song, definitely written by Paul McCartney. Gragra mm. was a Swokes Swokes uh, <laughs> that we can sing again. Mm -hmm. uh, this was obviously not. Well, I don't think it was Gragra. Uh, canon adjacent. Anyway, I loved seeing a Swokes Swokes because it, it's just fascinating throughout these shorts of like what. Alien design, sometimes relatively obscure within Star Wars. Does Correct. some animation team, creative team go, we got to have a, one of those. Yeah, love that. <laughs> we got to have a Gragra, a Swokes Folks in here. And in the joke of like all the stuff that, uh, that R is buying, like, are you going to blow up a planet? Uh, that was, that was great. Yeah, love that. And then oh. action wise, I, I love the, the, uh, the, the Sith, uh, Bacan, Bacan, mm -hmm. um, apologies on the poor pronunciation. Um, I love the weird Sith scorpion tail thing um, that obviously yeah. Tool was where, well aware of, but it almost felt like just hiding it and just mm -hmm. <laughs> total um, underhanded, awful kill of the master with the weird oh, yeah. scorpion tail thing, but also kind of dark and brutal and cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you. The the, the design of, of the Sith Lord, both of that, that, that the mask that's 
you know, got the long kind of drapey uh, portion there, which worked well with the aesthetic of, of the scorpion uh, tail. Uh, the ship, great Sith ship. I thought that was a wonderful design. This is what I'm talking about. There's some of these mm-hmm. aesthetics there, the red and blue um, kind of lighting up the ring as they all comes together. Uh, I, I loved all that kind of stuff. And, and that's what I keep saying of like, this was this was great. I'm going to enjoy this again for that. But man, if, if that was to show up somewhere else, that kind of not not a carbon copy, but just that kind of thought process and in, into the designs. I'd love that kind of stuff. A, a prophecy place like this would be that the design, the idea of it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that Filoni in particular has had real interest uh, with things like the Bendu in the world between worlds to kind of pushing in mm-hmm. into these different kinds of of uh, spiritual force connected uh, spaces. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see more of that. I agree. All right. Well, I think I've convinced myself um, to watch this one again (laughs) and that I liked it even more than I thought. So uh, shall we move on? We shall. We shall. Okay. Let's move on then to the one that was, I think, both of our favorite. Uh, Definitely mine. Mm -hmm. Don't want to put uh, words in your mouth, but our our uh, pre-recording conversation uh, led me to think that you loved the spy dancer as well. Uh, This Mm -hmm. is by Studio La Cachette. Directed by Julian Cheng, written by Julian Cheng and Gabriel de Adramont. Um, I'm making some guesses on some of those uh, pronunciations. Again, my apologies if they are incorrect. Uh, is this one of your favorites? And what was your overall reaction? I'd call it my favorite. Hold me closer, spy dancer. Love it. <laughs> Love this one. And look, I have to admit, having just uh, about a month ago uh, spent three days in Paris following our time in London for celebration, I'm still feeling the buzz. From just Paris, the culture, the history. Um, you know, I'm I'm one of those people that when I'm in a in a spot, I'm usually when I go to bed, I'm 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 on Wikipedia reading about where I am, finding an article or a YouTube video about where I am. You know, I just I just mm-hmm. a travel nerd like that or just a history nerd like that. Um, and so to take that, and this is also where I really recommend the filmmaker filmmaker focus because they had some wonderful shots around Paris, and I was like, "Hey, this thing!" I stood there, and <laughs> just, just dumb dumb travel nerd stuff. So uh, that vibe, but into the the story of of, you know, of Nazi occupied France playing out here in in a Star Wars version, what that means, what that means to the people, um, and that was powerful for me, and 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 I think I. I I'm with you on there's so many wonderful themes in Star Wars that emerge and we see them kind of uh, different versions of them. We see different interpretations of them. This one, um, we, we've seen this kind of rebellion before, but I don't know. It just felt uh, real, a little extra pinch of power to me. And, and of all the Vision episodes to this point, including Volume 1, this is one that moved me the, the most. And I hadn't watched this point and watched the uh, episodes uh, 7, 8, 9 from um, this batch. But uh, that's kind of where I was at the end of this episode. Like, ah. Oh, this is this is definitely one that moved me. Yeah, I I, I really agree uh, with all of that. I, I liked how much the aesthetic of Paris and the vision of Paris and this idea of this city of lights, this idea of city of culture being overrun uh, by oppression that that connection to the true and in the grand scheme of things quite recent history mm-hmm, <laughs> of mm-hmm. uh the french occupation by nazis um and that contrast between what the art of the city stands for versus what the nazis stood for mm-hmm. and what the empire stands for uh, i think that true history made it hit even harder in terms of the big uh, thematic ideas in the stakes. I think mm-hmm. it made it, it made different levels of star Wars 
resonate uh, because mm. of all of the different genres and ideas that Star Wars uh, pulls from. There are a lot of just resistance dramas mm-hmm. um, from the the 30s and 40s that that you can find threads of Star Wars in. You know, not yeah. is is directly maybe as this was uh, Flash Gordon through the filter of <laughs> Kurosawa. Yeah. Uh, n- not as direct as some of the Star Wars influences, uh, but you watch Casablanca and you feel like you're watching a Star Wars movie. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think by this short uh, played aesthetically and emotionally like a drama about Nazi resistance, like an old classic movie uh, Mm -hmm. made about resisting the Nazis, which had this interesting resonance with where Star Wars comes from in in terms of of genre and concept. So there's some of those uh, big picture things that I, that I gravitated toward. But I think for me, a couple of things that made this, just deeply powerful and deeply moving is I have wanted to see a story like this in Star Wars for a long time. We have since the very first film enjoyed the presence and the idea of performers Mm -hmm. in Star Wars. Um, When we get questions over the years of what would your character be (laughs) in Star Wars? Like some kind of performer that could maybe help fight the Mm -hmm. good fight. Um, so to see a story, and I know we've had them in, you know, uh, I think EU, I'm, I'm sure has some, you know, great stories of uh, Tales of Jabba's Palace, I know features some entertainers, yeah, and, and yeah. All, all sorts of things. But to see it on screen, and to see it not just passing some information or trying to survive, but to have a performer mm-hmm. uh, dedicated to the idea of of resistance and mm-hmm. we'll get into the, the themes of it. This is a, a story not just mm-hmm. featuring a performer. This is a story about what it is to be a performer. So mm-hmm. it, it hit me on a deep level as an old theater guy um, watching mm-hmm. a beautiful theater be demolished by the empire. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also um, my, my wife, is a dancer. Uh, my sister-in-law is a dancer. I've spent a lot of time with, with dancers, um, mm-hmm. that just that world, um, and the power of that movement, uh, was extremely powerful to me. And then the visual style, um, mm-hmm. this, this, re- I, I don't know if they talked about it on the behind the scenes, maybe we'll look at it. it the, mm-hmm. I love the animation style being like, well, what if uh, some famous French painters literally moved? Um, mm-hmm. It reminded me a little bit of of the work of uh, Marc Chagall, who is uh, Russian and French, uh, and also did a lot of design for theater, some of the, just the actual design. But the actual mm-hmm. style of the literal animation, the shapes, uh, the colors, and in particular, the kind of hard, chunky lines um, mm-hmm. really remind me of, of Edgar Degas. Uh, the guy is famous for doing lots of paintings of uh, dancers, uh, ballerinas, uh, but he has a couple of uh, famous works of art that are very similar to this, where they, they are traditional paintings that are defined by shape and color, mm-hmm. but then also a, a rarity to introduce more lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in, in art school, I was told not to use lines. That's what illustrators do 
That's what <laughs> comic book artists do. So uh, even uh, back then, there was a lines are kitty stuff. We are, we do shapes and colors and light. That's what a, a serious artist does. Um, and one of the exercises that I did in art school was uh, I needed to pick out of a bunch of different images and practice recreating it. And one of them was Edgar Degas' uh, uh, artwork called Combing the Hair. And if anybody's curious, Google Edgar, Edgar Degas Combing the Hair compare that look that emotion to this animation it is uh, all this these soft palettes of colors and shapes but then these great hard lines that that they're not they don't cover everything they don't outline everything like a comic book uh but they have little explosions of thickness and then thin and then they're gone entirely and it's this interesting relationship between uh, shape and color and line mm. um Mm. And part of the reason, I uh, apologize for going on and on, but um, mm. it was one of the things that really deeply resonated with me because that was a really uh, changing experience to do that particular mm. assignment. Uh, I, I have, I, I can never see that image the same again. It's a really weird thing when you try to recreate an image that you feel connected to it, which is mm. in no way to say that I'm an utter expert or as good of artists as they got. I'm not, mm. uh, but it, it, when I was watching this, I had this weird, like, I know this, I, I know the feeling of this. Uh, and and I, it took me a while to put my finger on it, but that's why. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I spent four or five hours at the Louvre. I, I didn't hit the Degas wing. I, uh, you know, uh, there's so much to see there, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm moved by your description of it and what it means. And, um, yeah, I, I, it, it, it's definitely all in there. It's definitely, this, this short is French to its core, right? <laughs> like this, this film, uh, so I think I think you're on onto something there uh, on this this painting come come to life so to speak. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a dancing a painting of a dancer come to life to fight yep. the empire. So let's talk about the ideas of it. What did you feel it was about? What was at stake for you? Uh, I I I started here. Uh, this you were touching on a little bit of, of art and expression uh, being something to fight oppression and, and suppression, right? And, mm. and that be on a on a, a government level, military level, uh, but also even on our own soul in our own souls. Right. Uh, when you, you suppress your own creativity and your own ideas, your own voice, um, that's, that's, that's a danger as well. So I think it, it's, that's on the big level. Um, and, and, and you're right. There, there's a lot of, they're drawn upon a lot of things. I'm not, um, I didn't pick this up on my, self exactly and specifically but like you know the famous example josephine baker who, who goes to paris to find to to to, to you know uh, this is the place that she can express herself this is where her art can exist and that's part of the french tradition and other dancers and some of the designs but but that being um so uh art being this this way to communicate ideas this thing that you and i keep coming back to star wars for and and how those ideas uh are are part of it and and this is wanting to be a bigger part uh, you have uh, the, the second dancer was it Hatis 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 yeah Hatis um, wanting to you know I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready but you kind of you know you will get there but you need to be where you are you need to find yourself uh, in these moments all that kind of stuff is there um, and and I thought that was a great motif and th this reminded this is one of those weird connections uh, and, and and you were talking about I I, I absolutely want something like this in in um, again I'll say it canon star wars and i just i, I hate keeping come back to that but i think y'all know what i mean by now there's a great story in, 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 in robotech that series i loved in the 80s <laughs> i always mentioned just in the third series the, the the new generation series 
there there was a a, a, a character Lancer who who uh, a male pilot who who uh, creates a, a a performer named Yellow Dancer, a female singer, and goes around in the, as that character to be part of the resistance to both survive but also gather information and move about and gather. And, and I just that's a fascinating thing where where you were literally using art. As, as um, I don't say a weapon, but but you know, art is a as a tool to fight all this stuff, to fight oppression, fight suppression. Uh, and I thought that was just a big, beautiful theme. Yeah, no, I really agree with you. I think you said some great things there. Um, I think for me, one of the things that I connected to the most is this idea of sort of masks in truth and identity, and how much that is a part of the truth of being a performer. Um, art. at its best is 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 true as you can possibly make it but the act of performing it the act of sort of channeling that as a person means us a bit of a dividing of self of like what what you're sharing is true but you also have like this backstage truth of this is who i am as as a person i apply the makeup i rehearse i have my team of people who help craft the art and then through all of this artifice comes truth but the artifice Mm. that the truth emanates out of is also necessary you have to build it you have to fabricate it um even down to uh you know people who are social media influencers uh Mm. talking on a podcast is is uh, we're always honest but i'm also aware that well right now i'm trying to present so i want to speak in a certain way <laughs> not say anything that isn't true but i've got my microphone and i've got you know yeah. uh my notes and i am prepared for this performance it doesn't mean it isn't true but there is still a build up of mm. what is needed to communicate this performance mm. so for me just kind of starting it from that place of we start with them in their great uh, super high up backstage yeah. Love that. In this sort of this this is who we are is is the team of of artists of theatricals who are going to make this spectacle and there's going to be truth mm-hmm. within this spectacle. But now we explode out onto stage and there's an altered version. Um, yeah, yeah. So some of the most moving and weird parts of a performer, particularly when you get the opportunity to perform in like a, a really big stage, and you're you're just a foot behind the curtain, and mm-hmm. you step out. And reality has changed. It's an entirely different relationship. And again, it's not about being untrue. It's just about that truth of you're backstage mm-hmm. and then you step out in, in front of a huge audience. And if you're lucky enough to have a huge audience who's really invested in what you're doing and loves you, it's you, in one step, you're going between two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that reality of being a performer, I think, is at the heart of this. And then there's so much else going on around it that the performance uh, is a mask to conceal uh, rebel activity. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff with the stormtroopers. They are shown as kind of a rude and, and brutish in their behavior. And the one in the, going in is like, the liquor here is great. Um, <laughs> but they are stepping off their duties. Some of them are taking off their helmets. And even though they're being rude and brutish in the theater... There's this honesty that they're connecting with their humanity up to a point to watch art and be filled by the beauty of it. And then when everything breaks down, they are forced Mm -hmm. back from even this tiny bit of humanity of 
enjoying a drink, enjoying community, enjoying art and spectacle and talent, and they're forced back into masks on, guns out, rigid servants of the empire. I, 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 uh, that was one of my favorite moments it was to talk about, but I, you brought it up in a, in a wonderful way, and it connects to the big theme of, of, of troopers. Having been, been so moved, now remember, this is stormtroopers in, in a Star Wars way, but but we know what that, that what that word means in the real world, so being careful not to defend any actions in any real world sense, but um, they've been moved. Art has moved them. Mm-hmm. And then when they're told, you know, or they're not even told, we should have shut this place down long ago, that we focus on those two. And there's that line of like, oh, okay, okay, here we go, here we go. And they put the helmets back on. That was such a powerful uh, moment. Uh, and why the the fight for art and the fight for expression and the fight against suppression of knowledge in history is important. Because I, I feel if, 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 if you're truly exposed or you let yourself be exposed and you take your mask off, you are moved and you're moved to change or you're moved to not be part of this kind of system. And that is why so many people fight to oppress it and, and suppress it. Uh, um, and I thought that was a real powerful moment that they are moved beyond belief. Mm-hmm. And I believe it. And then they're, oh, orders. We got orders. Good soldiers follow orders. Put the helmet <laughs> back on, guys. I thought it was a real powerful moment. Yeah, I really agree with you. There's stuff in a lot of these shorts. Not surprisingly, when you ask um, a lot of different cultures their take on Star Wars, which is a story about oppression, uh, that a lot of these stories come back about how uh, oppressive regimes need to erase culture because it risks creating connection. Um, and I, that was to me, okay, the other big part of this, this, uh, thematic idea of, of mask and truth, the nature of a performer, the, the nature of this, this performer performance has a hidden truth of rebel activity, uh, the stormtroopers, but then the big gut punch of the sun, the sun mm-hmm. is being asked to erase the truth of who he is. He's being asked to wear a mask. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it appears from that animation that his horns have been removed i love that they don't overly hit you over the head but he's got an image that we've seen in in uh like comics and and stuff of an imperial with an eye patch um but we know that it is there to cover that he has two different colored eyes to cover Mm -hmm. this beauty this diversity And, and i love that they call that out that uh that the mother uh louis uh has such hope that he could reconnect with his truth. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot in this of uh, hope. Hey, it's star Wars. I've heard hopes in it. Um, <laughs> but my t-shirts are available kids on page on my Patreon page. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what you think about this. I put this, this thought of this, this, this particular film is not just about finding hope. It is about maintaining hope, which mm-hmm. is sometimes so hard. And and I thought that stuff at the end. I think she finds a new hope. Pardon, pardon that, but finds a new hope with her son. But she had hope at one point. She joined this fight at one point, and now <sighs> there's a lot of exhaustion. I just want to move on. I just the loss of purpose and loss of hope, and 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 rediscovering it or maintaining it. Gosh, that's that's part of why you, it's part of why we lose sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> losing that there's writers uh i know i know a wga member on the line right now and every time uh you know, we meet for the, this this new job i have i'm like how's how's the vibe out there with the guild members because the first couple of days you know there's energy there's energy and 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 they win by outlasting you and how can mm-hmm. you keep that hope going and that's and that's a lot of what's going on here too 
No, I, I 100% uh, agree with that in that comparison. And uh, it's, it is one of the things that I like the most about it of the, of the idea that you said of maintaining hope uh, mm-hmm. that uh, she's ready to leave. Louise ready to be mm-hmm. done. And it's also kind of wrestling with, this is a drop in the bucket. We've we're gathering some data by following in, in low level Imperials. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. What, you know, what are, what are we really uh, accomplishing uh, ready to just get that ship built and and be done. Uh, there's even, I think, kind of an element of hope of like, is is your ship even going to work? <laughs> um, but that conclusion is all about rekindling hope. You know, uh, they've been doing however long this this has been going on. She said she lost her child 20 years ago, so maybe she's been doing this performance for almost 20 years, just throwing trackers and hoping it makes a difference in the long run after, you know, 20 years of a drop in the bucket. But that conclusion is so much about uh, hope that it's the last image. There's literally just the blinking possibility on that tracker that she will be able to reconnect with her son, that he will take the opportunity to take his mask off and see himself. Uh, and, and to me, it's not... It is not a, presented as a bittersweet conclusion. This is a uh, a story where the empire violently demolishes a beautiful theater. Um, the the preservationist in me was was wounded <laughs> <laughs> by just the thought of that building falling and everything that that theater brought to the people there. And yet, I ended this feeling like the the heroes, the theatricals, the dancers won. Mm-hmm because there's yeah. that blinking possibility of hope. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You you can burn these books and tear these buildings down, but but art art will live on. Art will find its way forward. I, I'm really with you on that. Absolutely. I, I especially last shots with her son and, and reveal that the, the image of him as a child with the two different two different colored eyes and one blocked. Ah, I love that. I I, I took it as a win. Not yeah, that, I, not I, that it's all wins and losses out there, kid, but <laughs> it's a win. But, and I, I wanted to go back to something else you said, um, which was this idea of connection. I think the the uh, idea of connection in this short was really strong, that mm-hmm. we were set up with uh, Louise's fear of loss. Obviously, she's experienced it, the wound of losing her son. I love that uh, Hati uh, is... Um, seems younger and this is kind of a coming of age subplot mm-hmm. of, of her saying, no, I am old enough. I am going to join the fight. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the person who's been doing the fighting does need me and does need my help, but such a fear from Louis of, of losing Hati. And I think that transfers to like the great action scene where the, the blaster mm-hmm. just buzzes her cheek and, and you're feeling what Louis is feeling of this absolute fear of loss of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the, the dance imagery is beautiful. But to me, that was like, okay, how can we take dance? Uh, ha- have you ever sat around wondering, how does Cirque du Soleil relate to the light and dark side of the force? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was that image of the dancers uh, were a master uh, masters of, of working together with the tech people backstage Mm-hmm. And working with that cloth, which is very much mm-hmm. like, to me, the force. It was flowing. It was organic. Yeah. It was connected to all things in that space. And it made things that seemed impossible possible because it's all about connection. I really like that idea of the force as, as, the, as the material there. That's, that's beautiful stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that connection idea is why uh, the, the short had such a happy ending with just a blinking light of possibility because it was the possibility uh, of what she had feared she lost, not just her son, but this idea of connection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I love that in, in all aspects. I love that guy, John, down, <laughs> down below. He was a great character. <laughs> yeah. Connection to the purpose and, and all of them finding their stuff there. I, I love that the, 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 this also having kind of... Um, uh, the mother energy version of the Luke Vader Empire moment. It, it, it's 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 mm-hmm. reverse uh, reverse energy there from from Vader to mom here. Love that angle too. Yeah, and just love the pulling him into a hug of like you don't understand how special this moment is, but you will. Mm-hmm. You know, and that mm-hmm. faith is uh, so yeah. moving. Uh, let's talk about any any specific little favorite moments or beats. Uh, we'll try not to list uh, every mm-hmm. frame. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, inside the, the, the cabaret theater, but but when they're, you're approaching it, you kind of you start with the stormtrooper vibe. They'll see your scan docs, and then you go in and just uh, it was effective, and it's a wonderful, weird Star Wars like design. Uh, you know, it's 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 the Moulin Rouge theater in in Star Wars form, and I love that. But it just kind of uh, it was really effective, like you said, the the high the the backstage high up, all the things about that, just really great design. Yeah, and, and to me, it had real connections to the Galaxy's Opera House and the, mm-hmm. the water ballet with the trailing cloth that we're seeing in Revenge of the Sith. So it felt mm-hmm. like it had some great prequel vibes. Um, I loved that old movie title style logo plastered huge across the screen, which was, mm-hmm. you know, not only is this, uh, you know, a... a a film about the power of dance, about the power of live performance. It's kind of a film about the power of film because that's so filmic. That's mm-hmm. so like old movie kind of mm. credits, yeah. uh, which I just love that. Um, I also loved uh, the, to the ones we've lost that they all said that. Um, yes. I love that moment. It's a it's a beautiful moment. It would have been beautiful to me if it was like this is a story about resistance fighters and they're going over the hill with the blasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's so connected to the reality of being a performer and pre-show rituals and what's mm-hmm. what's this particular show you're doing? What's the phrase that everybody says or the shared joke that you say right before you go onto stage, right before you dive into this other reality of being in performance? So it really got me. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, this is, uh, I got to ex- uh, experience uh, the, the band Shine Down. my friend Eric from Shine Down. I got to go backstage and I, I won't give the details with it, but they have that kind of ritual. We all, it was like, mm-hmm. you hear, you had to get in the circle. If you're here, you have to do this. And it was, uh, it was moving. It was moving. I love that you bring that up. And, and this being a, a story of art uh, and what that's about uh, and, and how much it is so much of the soul and of those who have come before or those who help bring you here. It's, it's great. It's a great pull. Yeah, it was really powerful. Um, very enjoyable, but perhaps not as powerful. I did like the 3PO jewelry statue. <laughs> I, I want one of those. <laughs> right? No. I'll buy more rings and necklaces just to put it on 3PO. Yeah, or, you, you know, uh, I have one ring, uh, the ring, not the, the one ring of power, but I have uh, the ring for Grace and I. But, like, so she can have that if she wants. But I, I would love it in the kitchen. Like snacks, like what can, can you help me in the kitchen? Like, gonna... uh, help yourselves to some three PO Doritos. Yeah, yeah just yeah. just hang in there. <laughs> yeah. That'd yeah. be great. Um, there's just too many beats I- in the action. The 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 shattering of of the cane uh, mm-hmm. that her son inherited from the the awful ISB type who who took him. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, but I, I think for me the the best part was the explosion of the cloth as 
a weapon against uh, the troopers, uh, wrapping three of them and just chucking them. Um, the entire, everybody in the, that sequence of everybody in the theater coming together was like the magic of theater versus the empire uh, yeah, with yeah. the way spotlights were used, the way uh, the smoke machines were used, uh, the little uh, froggy guy with the pipe uh, playing mm. music to inspire her battle. Oh, be still my heart. Uh, yeah, that, that was wonderful. And, you know, and we saw in the trailer, the dress reveal, right? Like that, that was part of the trailer. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's those moments where you're like, ah, well, I know that's coming. Right. So I was like, oh, this is, the, this is the one once it started and it happened. And I still was taken aback by it. And so great. So that moment was. Yeah. So good. Uh, any final thoughts on the spy dancer? So one of the things I have experienced with the vision stuff so far is not something you've experienced. I have not revisited them. I, I not for any super negative reason. It's just if I'm sitting down, it's not we're going to watch. I'll, I'll watch Rebels or I'll watch. Actually, I'll probably just watch Empire Dreams in parts again. That's what I watch. <laughs> uh, this this was uh, again for me uh, specifically the first time. We're like, oh, this is going to be in rotation. It really was effective. It really worked um, for me. And uh, so kudos to the team on this one. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, this is already the one that I've watched twice, and I might watch it again later today. Uh, We're going to take a quick break now, and we're going to talk about the last few uh, shorts in Vision Season 2 back in a moment. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we are back to continue our discussion of Vision Season 2, Part 2. We are up to the short The Bandits of Golak. Uh, this is from the Studio 88 Pictures, uh, based in India, developed by Melinda Dashind, written and directed by Ishan Shukla. Uh, Ken, what was your overall reaction to The Bandits of Golak? I... Same thing again up of, of top, where this, we got a lot about the story that I, that I enjoyed. I loved the look, both culturally... Uh, and, and just, we got India, we got Star Wars, and we're going to put them together in a way that we've <laughs> never seen before. And it really was vibrant to me. I loved it. Uh, and the colors and the, you know, the, the bright colors of, of, of that culture and then their designs, their clothing, their food, everything about it really, you just felt it. You felt it. And then the animation itself, the designs, the style, the feel, I really liked it. Like if you were to, you know, again, this isn't the purpose for doing this, but if you were like, hey, they're going to do a, a, you know, a Star Wars show. The next animation series is there, this style. For some reason, I really liked it. It, it, it reminded me of some of the like season three or four Clone Wars stuff. Um, and that show grew into even some bigger Star Wars. I don't know. For, me, for some reason, there's just something I, I loved about that. I really agree with you. Love the animation style. The uh, I loved how straightforward it was that there was a ton of just like, that is straight Star Wars mixed with straight, um, mm-hmm. to my understanding, yes, uh, vibrant uh, colors, community, um, foods, yeah. everything uh, straight from the real world mixed with the Star Wars was great. It, it was really fun to see uh, so many recent Star Wars designs. Um, mm-hmm. I have no idea about the the age of the uh, of any of these different creators, right? But you could see like, oh, well, you're going to get a lot of classic designs if mm-hmm. if uh animators and storytellers are told you can pull from anywhere we got aki aki <laughs> we got purge troopers uh we got a uh, credian uh like uh like dewey from andor beautiful mm-hmm. uh a kosian like terrace nube uh took my breath away um i said i, I said is that terrace nube's cousin like who is it? <laughs> yeah it's just another a uh, 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 tara who's Doing a little better, a Kosian, uh, mm-hmm. is Dare's new base species. Um, yeah, and I think this was the other one where I absolutely loved it. It was just that some beats felt familiar, whereas some of the others, I feel like the actual uh, mm-hmm. beats of n- nothing that we just talked about in the Spite Answer was new Star Wars themes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, connection, hope, even the idea of a, a, a mask hiding your your true identity. 
but it was told from the perspective of performers. So I think just the actual story beats of uh, a, a child who has to hide their Jedi abilities uh, being brought to someone who will ultimately give them uh, safety. An Inquisitor, we've been spending a lot of time in in current canon uh, Star Wars. So I love the, the the visuals, love the ideas, the actual story beats felt like a, a little familiar. Yeah, 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 and, and and I think it's a that's a fair note. And and when when you when you reach out in the world and say what what moves you about Star Wars. Uh, I I think you're going to get a lot of uh, similar answers, and I think that's a that's a good thing. I know you think that's a good thing too, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I know what you mean. Of there, there's a little bit of me going, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think I know where we're going. It's just that's why I gravitate towards the design and, and the other things around it too. Yeah, yeah. and and I do. I I was affected by this is the perspective of a culture that has dealt um with the colonizers, um, and yeah. that was definitely uh present and powerful in the ideas i just to be very clear i'm just talking about literally the story beats if it was removed of any visuals or any uh nuance and it was just literally the story beats that's what i'm responding to yeah so let's no, talk about the ideas absolutely. oh sorry go ahead no, i was gonna say yeah it's their story to tell and also hey check out our conversation about temple of doom <laughs> exactly uh follow it up with this and other uh, storytelling yeah. from the actual culture. Uh, let's talk about the ideas. What did you think was uh, was most vibrant in terms of the ideas of this uh, piece? What was at stake? So, so this big thing of purpose, the bigger thing perhaps of letting go. Uh, this is a truly mythical tale to to do all that. And 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 you know, from my perspective a little bit, the hero of the story is uh, is the brother Jaruk. Who has mm-hmm. no special powers, but he, you know, he's going to do what he can to protect her. He's going to pretend to steal all those wonderful candies. Oh, I feel him. I feel him there. Um, and, and all of this out of protection, out of survival, um, and all to help his sister. But in the end of the day, uh, he helps uh, achieve her higher purpose. And, and she's a hero as well. And I think she's going to be a hero in other stories, right? But for to see it a lot through his his perspective. Uh, really drove home uh, that time-honored Star Wars theme of letting go. Mm. Yeah, no, I really like that idea. And I, I really like that in some ways. The, obviously, it's it's both of their journey, but some of the uh, conflict is really put on him of how how am mm-hmm. I going to get her to safety? The, the, yeah. the feeling of like uh, everything in me is dedicated only to her safety in, in knowing how dangerous this world is is for her uh, i think the idea that really resonated with me and and it, it felt like um a theme that was drawn out and underlined in, mm-hmm. in a way that made this unique uh compared to some of the familiarity of the story beats is this idea of um best phrase i could come up with it for it is what gets you through mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. all right you similar to some of the other stories that we're talking about um this oppression is not going to end in a day you're you're mm-hmm. dealing with a large and challenging enemy and you're going to be in this fight for a long time so how do you survive it mm-hmm. um and i felt like this it highlighted every little moment of joy was like a tool in the kit um there was the kindness of uh, of Sharuk uh, Tarani and just that connection in that shared joy between the two of them. Um, Ronnie's desire to really be connected to that flute uh, mm-hmm. that seemed like maybe the last surviving part of her city, village, her family, her tradition that's that's being wiped out. 
um, and, and then offering it to to the brother at the end. That but but the flute is connection to tradition. Um, mm-hmm. I love that this so much of this was just about the simple joy of sweets as a symbol of happiness yeah. of childhood, but also of culture. Food is such a huge and important part of culture. It was like mm-hmm. here's something that the empire hasn't stomped out yet they haven't gone <laughs> they haven't seen the uh, i believe the candy was called levy they haven't seen the levy factories as a threat yet they will eventually because it's culture yeah. uh but that was important in the biggest thing to me was uh one of the ideas of what gets you through is the idea that narrative gets you through that story gets you three through we talked about this a lot with the the minds of of mandalore episode of of season three of mandalorian this idea that it's almost meta sometimes when Star Wars tells a story about the idea that stories matter. Mm-hmm. And that was so huge to me uh, that uh, Shrook and Ronnie find such strength in casting themselves as the heroes of a fantasy story of we have to do something really hard, really terrifying with only a small chance of partial victory. But if we frame it in this fun rhyme about bandits Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who who want candy and wonder, that gives us the strength to get through. That was by far like the winner uh, of this short to me. It was it was so powerful that just a couple little a little rhyming Mm -hmm. poem can give you the strength to get through horror. Yeah. It it, it it love that I love what you're saying and and I love pulling out into silly little real world things. Uh, this is what we do in our house. One of our doc, uh, dogs, uh, Baxter, our older 17 year old Chihuahua, um, he has one little pink toe bean, and it's the cutest little thing. And a lot of times, Grace and I, if we're going through stuff, or she's going into you know some appointment that's stressful, or I got a job interview, we'll just text each other pink toe bean, which just means focus on that cute little bit of joy in our life. Focus on that little energy uh, and, and all the darkness around, all the trials around. They'll still be there, but you know who you are. You know who your connection, you know where your home is, right? You know where mm-hmm. you, you know, home can be something that's on the move sometimes. I love what you're saying because that, that was one of my favorite moments, the little singing and the hand moves and everything. Uh, um, real powerful stuff there. And they really found the core of that. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I think that's a great example. Sarah and I have a, a thing that we text one another that I haven't asked her permission to share, so I'm not going to, <laughs> nothing dirty. Um, but there's also that element of casting yourself. They cast themselves as bandits. So for mm-hmm. me, it's that same thing of like, uh, maybe I'm going to a party where I only know two people and uh, I'm kind of stressed and eh. mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. helps to be like, I am a Jedi like my father before me. And it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> this idea yeah. that you are a Jedi, but like, it's a fear and casting myself in my mind mm-hmm. is it, uh, 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 a cool mm-hmm. action monk with a laser sword helps me get past that fear. They know yeah. they are not bandits, right? Right, uh, right, right? But casting themselves is the heroes of this little narrative mm-hmm. helps them push past fear. And that, that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. I really agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, I also like that, you know, bandits being in the title, actual bandits popping up, that this is a great subversion of American Westerns. I'm sure many mm-hmm. other uh, stories, but the, the uh, a, a train ride through 
the country that is filled with bandits, raiders, scary people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like none of those those scary bandits in the hills are the rebels fighting for their people in their land. Yep. yep. No, I absolutely love that. This is one of those second viewings when I was like, "Why? It's the bandits of oh, yeah, oh, I got it." And I Leo DiCaprio on the screen, <laughs> and, and that train, and looking up, and the and, and the second conductor kind of looking up with fear. Uh, at someone at a group that's probably actually the heroes and, and how it combined uh, combines with the, the ending, you know, the bandits, the bandits gotta go. Love it. Emotional. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, um, obviously there was so much to celebrate about the positives of culture with the, the candy and the flute in the story, um, in the community that they find. Uh, but I, I think there was a lot of, of, uh, uh, that was a lot of defiance of light in the darkness of how much mm-hmm. of this was about hiding of identity about yeah you know this is what it is to be invaded oppressed colonized Mm -hmm. is the attempt to drive out identity um Mm -hmm. ronnie struggles to hide herself it's natural for her i love that her force powers just seem to kind of explode out of her like i didn't even really mean to float this it's just so natural that i do it's just an extension of who i am the the idea that the flute is is a risk. Um, yeah. The way the Jedi protector is is having to hide herself uh, and her lightsabers in the pool. Like everything is hidden, and I think that's powerful. Uh, indeed, indeed. Any favorite moments of comedy or action or a shot or anything like that in this one? I there's uh, you know um, there's a moment early on where, where Ronnie's talking to Sharuk and she says, "What are they, what do they even want?" And I just thought, you know, it works on a lot of levels. It's it's uh, it's it's sad, you know. She doesn't know fully, but also just to look at the stormtroopers, because later on there's a little beat of like all this for sweets. It's like, what do you what do you even want? Tell me, mm-hmm. tell me, because I don't think you're. I don't think you even know sometimes uh, the, these forces, these oppressive forces, in, in 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 on big big in big scale and small. Like, what do you what do you, what do you, what do you want? What are you trying to say here? Uh, I thought that was great. I love that you pull that out that that perspective of of Ronnie who is clearly dramatized but mm-hmm. still connecting to light and just like so much burning and destruction. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. is really powerful. Yeah, yeah. So a little moment there. Um, um yeah, yeah. Go ahead. More well, from moments. there, I transitioned quickly into. Hey, is that Terrace Anubis' cousin? Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, for me, I was just, uh, uh, there's a ton of this that I loved, but Hey, uh, you know what, that Cassian cousin of Terrace Anube, uh, <laughs> that was a prophecy that we would see not just a lightsaber cane, uh, like yes. Terrace Anube has, but a bleeping double lightsaber cane, yes. uh, that I will watch this one at least three more times just for the double lightsaber cane moment. Totally. Um, that that was so cool and then the other beat that i wrote down uh, uh was the pool moment with the jedi symbol even though uh, some of these beats are, feel like yep we're, we're seeing this kind of storytelling um mm-hmm. that image of it being hidden that kind of different force image of just the the water floating yeah, yeah. and for now the jedi symbol has to be submerged but it's there and you can't kill it oh man that got me uh, yeah, really love it. Water, raw water, so powerful in stories and so much of our breakdowns, right? We talk about it a lot. It's some of the things uh, you pulled out so wonderfully from the Book of Boba Fett early on. And here it is to, to hide the path forward, water being this powerful thing. Yeah. Uh, the final moment for me is I just, I just loved the, the, uh, joy of them exchanging that little story, that little rhyme. Um, 
that that animation that so accurately captured the emotion it, it felt like there was almost nothing heightened about it it was just actual sibling joking joy to perfection mm-hmm. uh can i be the bandit chief uh, in pursuit of sweets and plunder the bandits ride for feast and wonder mm-hmm. just beautiful yeah no with you on that love that all right. Any other thoughts before we move on to the next one? The only thing I'll say is the, the design of the, the Inquisitor was impeccable. Everything about him was uh, just wonderful in this villainous way. Loved the design, loved the detail. Um, uh, you know, uh, w- could this Inquisitor show up in a, in a comic book or video game? I hope so. I'd be happy. I love that. You're right. The Inquisitor design was was great, and it was again a great uh, uh, melding of of Star Wars images with different interpretations of those images. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Let's uh, move on then to episode eight, The Pit. Uh, This was a unique one. This one is uh, from Lucasfilm Limited in conjunction with uh, the studio Dart Shatayo. I apologize. I also uh, did not uh, have time to look up the pronunciation there. Uh, Written and directed by Leandra Thomas. Um, Pretty, uh, I think that story has been shared and it sounds like you watch more of it, uh, that he is a Lucasfilm employee. Uh, and then co-directed by Justin Ridge. Uh, so what was your overall reaction to this one and any insights from the behind-the-scenes feature you watched? Yeah, definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, he's, uh, Leandre's a, a, like a 10-year, uh, you know, employee of Lucasfilm and, and has a specific job, uh, a keeper of some sort of uh, videos and still images, uh, works in that kind of department and had this story idea and, you know, took it down the hall. And, and, and that sounds like it's easy. That doesn't happen a lot. Right. No matter what company you work for, this is what you do. This is what your job is. And this is how we interact and engage with you on it. And and like John Knoll in the story of Rogue One, I think a lot of people heard that story. Um, this story was able to happen. So it's it, it's inspiring on, on many levels. Um, and it goes all the way up to the top with Kathleen Kennedy going, this is great. Let's do it. And they found a home for it. It wasn't necessarily pitched as visions. They found a home for it here. So highly recommend hear it from them themselves in the short, uh, in the extra features. Uh, and and uh, and I loved it. And I, I, I my overreaction. This one, um, we'll get into it. This was uh, perfectly timed and awkwardly timed <laughs> with a lot of real world <laughs> things going on right now. Things that Disney is involved in. Um, but yeah, so uh, moving, um, uh, epic feel, uh, all those good things, all those buzzwords uh, present in this story. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch the behind the scenes, but I'm definitely going to make time for the, that. And, and yeah, I don't think that Lucasfilm is just an open door to. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Do you write some code for the Star Wars app? Well, come on into Kathleen Kennedy's office. So this is uh, this is an achievement. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm very uh, happy for it because I think it's really powerful. I really love this one. Like Spite Answer, I felt like this was one that got into some core Star Wars themes, but in terms of the plot and the setup, it came at it from a, a slightly different way. Um, mm-hmm. I was really moved by the fact that it was deep, heartfelt, core Star Wars ideas, uh, but also tied directly and explicitly and unignorably to the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, obviously, it was Im- impossible to ignore what was going on uh, with the characters who were forced to dig. Uh, there were um, obviously uh, people of all kinds uh, stuck in the, the titular pit. Uh, but the fact that uh, the main characters were black, it was uh, for me unignorable that this is a part, this is about the black experience. Um, 
But also, and I think this is maybe one of the places you're going, this is also about uh, the general working class uh, yeah. experience. Um, mm-hmm. This is the the idea that uh, you can see uh, being represented in discussions of social justice, that, that uh, issues of race and issues of um, economic and, and social class are are tied together that uh that the need for uh better things in life are these ideas are tied together um it the, this sort of <laughs> uh this struggle that um uh, the the people who hold the wealth and the power um have made a lot of people trapped in a metaphorical pit yeah <laughs> uh can we climb out? Um, I, the note I couldn't stop myself writing down, and I want to hear your thoughts about it. Of this is why there are unions. <laughs> uh, this is a literal, physical picture of wealth not trickling down. Uh, the mm-hmm. wealthy people take it and then leave everybody else in a pit. How did you feel about that? <laughs> I, this is about me and my fight with credit scores about why they exist, even, <laughs> even when they're good, they're a lie. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right about, about everything. I, I mean, this is our interpretation of it, but um, um, you don't need to watch the behind the scenes footage on this to really pull what's going on here and it pull it in different directions. Uh, um, with, without a doubt, this is a story uh, conceived and written and created to produce post-2020. Uh, what's going on, both uh, – uh, like you talked uh, directly about the, the black experience and, and uh, uh, that's very clear. Also very clear, low, lower labor class sinking themselves as they build the upper class. That time-lapse shot of the mm-hmm. city building while the pit goes down. Um, tides, uh, uh, you know, w- rising and lowering in opposite directions at the same time. Uh, you you, um, you can't deny it. And, and, and yeah, you know, we, we are recording this in the, in the midst of, of a writer strike and, and, and not comparing writers to uh, any other press groups or class throughout history, by the way. Uh, if anyone wants to take those screams, I'm just saying with what's going. The, the writer strike is a is a is a, is a labor fight um, mm-hmm. that we all should be plugged into because um, this is truly one of those it could happen to you type situations. And and you're watching uh, studios report record profits while um, the folks that literally generate the ideas <laughs> at the first level are are sinking deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, can't afford to survive. Um, in their chosen field. So not to get so real world with it, but uh, I was, it was, like I said, perfectly and, and oddly and awkwardly timed. It, you couldn't turn away from that side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I, I liked that it was, I liked that it was, I, you, you and I talk about these things all these time. And I think, I think ideas like this are all over star Wars. Uh, but this one was a, you can't look away from it in a similar way to Andor. And I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And, and, and there's and, and I, I think it's weird. There's we, we try to address it in that news episode. There's always a tension, a tension between us enjoying the art in this wonderful, crazy Star Wars saga put out by some of the largest companies in the world. It's always going to be like that. Uh, I wish we all could be independent artists. Hell, I wish we all could be George Lucas, who used the system to make himself some money and then spread it all around with his own independent stories. Right. Like. I wish, mm-hmm. but even then, he still needed Fox to get it out to the world. It's just the situation we're in, so it's hard to ignore the te- the tensions. But the tensions are part of the, the 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 situation. Yeah, and I would rather have these stories told, and I would rather have them broadcast to uh, a large audience where they might uh, help people uh, and they might inform people. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, so let, let's talk about uh, the ideas at stake. We got into it a little bit with the big picture, but what did you feel was was the big idea? What was at stake in this story? Yeah, I apologize. I jumped ahead on that. That's definitely no, no, no. I did too. <laughs> we, we we both jumped. <laughs> yeah, we were eager, yeah. eager, 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 eager to climb out of this pit. Yeah, the 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 the, the what's going on with the. Um, the class, the class system here, the, the labor, uh, all that there. But but I'll move beyond that. To, uh, we can come back to it. Um, this idea of, of the, the the inner the inner light was mentioned, right? And, and everyone has mm-hmm. this inner light, and you got to find the inner light and, and and look for the light, and all those kind of things. Um, big Star Wars things. I I took it. Uh, I went in this direction of um, because you got you know, get Cedric Garbo playing the older prisoner who's just kind of buried in this cycle and and, and loss of hope, and and everyone kind of needs to find that, but. This 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 hope that the reality of your situation, your struggle, if you get it out there and you get your voice out there, you climb out of the pit and tell everyone there's we're all struggling down here. Can that reality connect with I what I do believe is people's inner light? I do believe that exists. Everyone has an inner light, says this episode. Sometimes people forget this. So don't be afraid to use your voice to remind them of what you're going through because uh, then hopefully empathy and understanding can emerge and then empathy and understanding matter. Um, the citizens don't listen at, uh, when, when he climbs out and he goes, hey, can I have your, t-? they don't listen. Um, we don't we don't connect with the, that until we kind of see it, right? That's that thing we always talk about. There's so many tragedies in the world. Um, until one happens to you, you might not be plugged in. And that's just, unfortunately, sometimes the nature of it. Can you move past that? And I thought this was about bringing your situation, bringing your plight, bringing your voice out to tell people, can you help? Because this is what's going on. I thought that was very Star Warsy, very much Star Wars. Yeah, I really agree. I think it was about one of the core Star Wars ideas, which is hope. Um, we've described just the absolute basics of Star Wars is it's about hope versus fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but particularly if you just say hope, because it can be it can be overused. Yeah, it can start to sound like is this just a greeting card? We just we just say hope, and then everything is fine. Yeah, I feel like this is a story that addresses exactly that. It addresses how incredibly difficult it is to hold mm-hmm. on to hope. That mm-hmm. hope is worth holding on to even if it takes multiple, multiple steps to get to where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this idea that um, that uh, the, the main character Crux has hope, but all of the reasons that he should lose it <laughs> are mm-hmm. presented to us. Um, that yeah. that uh, in order to hold on to hope and, and to try to make a difference, physical hardship must be endured and overcome. Mm-hmm. The the you know however long in that horrific montage, uh, great art but horrific in meaning montage. Um, however long that went on, all of the actual digging, the physical labor, and then the the great uh, risk uh, in physical hardship of climbing the wall. I love that even though he was certain it needed to be done and certain it could be done, that there were still tears in his eyes from the physical pain yeah. of of holding on uh, to the wall and holding on to uh, the hope. Um, that the thing about inner light is is, is quite clear uh, in terms of just sort of like the meaning of the piece that, that what he uh, tells uh, Libby uh, that all people have an inner light. Uh, the only question is being whether they will listen to it or not. That's huge, right? That that's sort of like 
people can have the attitude like that's just naive. That's a nice idea. Mm-hmm. But like like this old man, I love that the the older man is in this who uh, eventually does uh lift yeah. his head up and in and, and let himself hope again. But just by the picture of this this person being older, you know he's been through this and you know mm-hmm. that older man has met a lot of people who have uh, shown zero evidence of having inner light uh, yeah. that he's experienced the cruelty uh, in, in understandably losing hope. Mm-hmm. But this is the great power of crux of like, I understand that it's really easy to, to lose hope and I understand you did, but I'm going to keep fighting for it. And I think the fact that you're saying that it isn't easy that, some people in the city sound kind of concerned, but it, it takes even more hope of, of everybody coming together and, and yelling out mm-hmm. to make it happen uh, is yet another picture of how hard it is to hold on to hope. And I think most powerfully, the fact that Crux is killed. It, it, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't, I, I shouted, I climbed and I shouted hope and everything's great. He died right. uh, brutally, mm-hmm. but his hope his lesson is transferred to Livy to the next generation. And to me, it, it creates this really honest, but really hard story of, yeah, hope isn't just a magic word that we say and yeah. poof, everything's better. It's what we use to keep going to slowly make things better piece by piece, sometimes generation by generation. And that is not to say that we shouldn't sometimes demand change now, Mm-hmm. but that sometimes it takes piece by piece and that I was moved by the idea that Crux's sacrifice was not in vain. Mm-hmm. It created progress and hope for the next generation to see that crystal light up. Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. And, and yeah, just, uh, and you said something that I really loved. It was like when, when he does get to the city, like they don't like brush him off. There's like, yeah, that doesn't sound good. Let's carry on. <laughs> you know, there's like, <laughs> and, and I thought that was, Unfortunately, that's the thing I t- talk about. That's very real, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. That tweet didn't make me happy. Anyways, here's a puppy. Like, and, 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 you gotta, and that's sometimes how you survive and how we process it. I don't want anyone to feel bad if you look at a puppy today online. Like, and it makes you smile. No. You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and that's why a larger collection of voices do need to come together sometimes. Uh, unfortunately, again. But, yeah, that's the way it works. And I thought that was played out really well. And the generational um, slide down effect like you're talking about was powerful. Mm-hmm. And the journey continues. Yeah. And I, I just felt it from, you know, some friends I have sometimes, certainly just online, like, you know, when it gets to be election season and I want to promote voting. Yeah. A lot of times I'm just going to get a response of it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it won't make any difference. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, this speaks to me of like, mm, it, 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 it does matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mathematically, it, it really does. Um I also just, uh, I really agree with you about the picture uh, of wealth. You know, the people who make the wealth not having any any part in it. Um, Crux being able to make that explicit as he stands uh, in, in Crystal City in front of an image <laughs> of what he dug up with his hands. Really yeah. powerful. But I also like that uh, that what was, what was seemed, felt fresh in this is that picture that the this awful situation of these people being trapped in the real and metaphorical pit is born out of direct cruelty and abuse from the empire. Mm-hmm. But it's also born out of ignorance and apathy, which is, I think is what you're talking about of like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when he gets to the city, 
uh, they don't realize that this is happening. And right. that's like the hope of this episode. When they find out that children have been left in a pit to starve, um, are they going to do anything? Are they going to mm-hmm. care? Are they going to respond to that? Is that inner light there? Or are they going to find a reason to turn it off of like, well, I bet they did something to deserve that, you know? Yes, I, I think that's a very valuable point. And, and I think this, the, the, the short does a great job of, of um, playing this out. Um, how, how intentioned, I, I don't know, but it, 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 it's so present that I, I got to believe it was a choice of, of again, the citizens some, probably just move there, right? They don't, like you said, they don't even know. And that's often yeah. the case in life. You just don't know. And then information, uh, plights, stories, histories come come to light. And it's not to say that you got to go like even, jumping ahead. Like even when the citizens come together, um, um, they take them back to the city. And I'm not suggesting that now everyone in that pit's now rich and live in the city and gets to enjoy everything equally. But, you know, I mean, there, there was a vibe of like, no, no, we're, we're the city is here. We're still here. We are who we are who we are. But how can we now then help your plight? Uh, and maybe stop for future pits happening. Like it, 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 it's not asking you to erase yourself or your own history when you're paying attention to someone else's story. And mm-hmm. I thought that played out on the streets of the city a little bit. No, I really agree. And I think that was a, a picture of it too, of the, the changes happen uh, because of Crux's uh, faith in the idea that people do have mm-hmm. an inner light and his uh, sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it does take the power of the people to break the systems of injustice. I think one yeah. of the most, the, we, we've seen this image now is that lineup of mm-hmm. stormtroopers saying, you can't help these people. You can't even look here. You can't go here. Oh, yeah. And having the power of the people say, mm, we can, <laughs> we can, and we will and address this injustice. And and the troopers just pack up and leave. Right. Mm-hmm. Pack up mm-hmm. and leave. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Final thing for me in terms of like the ideas, I, I I think this idea that's often present in Star Wars about nature uh, was present. I, I really like that Crux's climb was helped by the the creatures mm-hmm. who naturally live there and uh, burrow burrow little holes. Um, yeah. That last shot of of Livy awakening the crystal, um, I think, was a reminder of even though those have become a commodity and a, a resource that the empire is trying to control, they are of nature and mm-hmm. they belong to everyone. Uh, the, a lot of this, this short, because it is so direct and explicit reminded me of, of Andor and the mm-hmm. whole thing made me think about Nemec's quote about oppression, not being natural. And mm-hmm. that even like the nature of the Kyber crest is like, yeah, we don't, we don't want to be owned by the empire. Yeah. No, I love the little, little lizard coming out and, and, and helping them. I, I put down the forces in nature. The light is ever present, uh, even in places where you don't suspect it or, or don't look for. It. Yeah. Really powerful stuff. Um, did you have any just favorite moments of uh, the shot, a line, action, comedy, anything? Um, th- there was one moment here uh, where we're, um, you know, the, they, the diggers reach the end and then the, they say that and they go to the commander. Uh, they've reached the end. They're finished. And, and, and they go, well done, commander. <laughs> really drove home the point of what, what did you do? You stood mm-hmm. up there and forced them to dig, electrocuted mm-hmm. them. They didn't. But well done, sir. Well done. Here's, yeah. your, Here's your CEO bonus. 
I would encourage people uh, to, if they are not already inundated with this truth, to look up how the current owner of uh, Twitter uh, got his generational wealth. Uh, that resonated <laughs> well done, pretty Commander. hard with me. <laughs> well done, Commander. Well done, mm-hmm. alleged genius. Mm-hmm. Um, th- yeah, the just the line, it, it, it's it, very clear, but very powerful phrasing. They'll do the right thing if they follow their light mm-hmm. in that idea of... We all have the com- the capacity for empathy. Um, mm-hmm. w- will we act on it? Is really powerful. Um, the uh, it, it was a when he when Crux is up on that platform. There's some Orabesh that spells out Crystal City. So I, I really mm-hmm. liked that. Not only is there an image of the Kyber Crystal, but that that's named Crystal City. So yeah. they are aware. Um, yeah, yeah. Su- such a powerful idea that that you know almost everywhere we live, there's there's a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's an industry and sometimes we're real connected to it and sometimes it's it's kind of lost to history so that was great to see and we already talked about it the, the montage of the city being built was is beautiful great. animation and in painful truth yeah yeah well said all right any other thoughts before we move on to the final short no no great stuff great stuff uh it's i i, I by the way when this one ended when the citizens pull back i sighed I said, oh, man, we all need a win. And then we got a win, so to speak. So ready for yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. No, it was really, really good. Really powerful. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Au's song. This is by the studio Triggerfish, uh, South Africa. Uh, and it, uh, Wikipedia says that there is an uh, outlet in, in Galway, Ireland as well. Directed by Daniel Clark and Nadia Darius. Uh, written by Nadia Darius, Daniel Clark, and uh, Julia Smutsloa. Uh, again, apologies uh, on some of the pronunciation. What was your overall reaction to this one, Ken? Oh, this one, uh, we, we got the, you know, the citizens in the pit, they, they come back with the ships and we got to win. But I needed something. I need something like this. This is well put together volume. I think they knew what they were doing when they ended mm-hmm. with their And just from the designs to the message to the joy, and it's got all the big things in it, uh, without a doubt, you know, um, a lot of Star Wars themes. But I liked that even though we had red crystals, we didn't have a Sith coming to town. Doesn't mean I don't like any other things. Uh, we didn't have uh, someone uh, turning. We didn't have any, we just had, um, we had a tale of, 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 of hope, but purpose, your voice, all that kind of stuff. We'll talk about the big themes and it just uh, hit me uh, down to the little fuzz on the little CGI design. <laughs> character. Yeah. This one was a balm. I, I can see why they put it at the end. I absolutely love this one, and I felt like I needed it. it this was yeah. like, I don't even take baths, but this is like taking <laughs> bath after a long day. I, to be clear, I take showers. Um, <laughs> I do cleaner myself. <laughs> uh, but it, it, yeah. it just felt so purifying. Uh, I've mentioned this before. Uh, I haven't I've been caught up in Legend of Zelda games in a while, but, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, mm-hmm. you, you would run across an area that was corrupted and everything was rotting. And then you would beat the dungeon in that area and you'd come out and everything was uh, peaceful and happy and flowers yeah. and shining and uh, is such a beautiful feeling. This whole thing felt to me like a, a mm-hmm. village after you've defeated the dungeon in legend of Zelda. I think yeah. the fact that the animation, the characters were this sort of felt toy, which mm-hmm. speaks to, beauty and and fun and youth um and the fact that it was set in an era of healing uh Mm -hmm. a ton of kyber crystals in in season two of visions a ton of sith a ton of the presence of corruption but i love that this was just set generations after the war and they're still dealing with 
the pollution, mm-hmm. but that this whole thing was in an era of healing was a really nice change of pace. I love that. I think you're absolutely right about that. So what did you feel uh, was at stake? What was this one about for you? Uh, definitely, uh, you know, the sharing your voice things, uh, quite literal here, but I think, um, mm-hmm. that works. Uh, there's a, a great thing about, uh, we all have our places, we all have our purpose. And one of the things I liked is, uh, Al's father is meant to stay, meant to mind the Kyber. And the, this short film doesn't necessarily paint a completely desolate picture of oppression versus like, say the pit. Um, this, mm-hmm. this is his job. This is where he is. Uh, but there's some joy there. Um, and he keeps her around because uh, this is a bit of protection going on. I just want you to be safe, he says. Um, so th- that and, and that's followed up with one of my favorite little shots of when they're speeding into town and, and, and she leans into her father's back as they speed into town, feeling that protection, feeling that warmth. Mm. And so even then, even though in, in, a, in, a, in a franchise that deals with, you know, attachments and dangers of that and now there's not bad, but went too far. And this played with it in a different way, like you said, a joyful way. Um, and all that kind of going to the, the, the sharing your voice. And then there's a weight and responsibility. This is even something the creators said to be clear. Mm. It, it comes with stepping forward. When you, when you step forward and find your purpose, that's just the first part of it. Now you got to go forward if you can, if you get the chance. Uh, and there's a big weight to that. Mm. Oh, I, that, that's a great insight. Um, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I really thought this was a, a coming of age story mm-hmm. um, in, in a very classic Star Wars way. Uh, but it was like a great, th- this whole short was like a great take on the uh, the dinner table conversation in A New Hope with Luke and Owen and Beru. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a farmer. That's just not who Luke is. Uh, yeah. And, and that fear of what will happen to him if he goes out and, and you know, uh, really reaches his potential versus will, will what will happen to him if he stays here. Yeah. All that stuff, uh, you know, what we've been talking about uh, that we think is probably at stake in, in Skeleton Crew, we'll find out of that coming of age story of in order to get to the wonder, in order to get mm-hmm. to the potential of who you can be, you got to pass through the, the terror. Yeah. Um, we also talk a, a lot about how Star Wars wrestles with ideas of fear and sometimes fear is irrational fear of something bad that could happen. Anakin mm-hmm. is just so consumed with the possibility of what if anything happens to anybody I love gets the specific mm-hmm. vision of Padme, but still it's just a vision. Um, but that sort of irrational fear of loss mm-hmm. versus an extremely understandable, rational concern about a concrete danger. Yeah. And I really yeah. like that the father is not a, a, a baddie. He's not even as, as grumpy as is Owen. He has an understandable, rational concern about a very dangerous thing. The crystals are dangerous. Mining is dangerous. Yeah. The connection between his daughter and the crystals are potentially something that could hurt her and hurt other people. I love that we see the burn mark on his hand. It's a, you know, yeah. yes. uh, but then the, 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 the push and pull of, uh, of the Jedi going, well, don't resist your song. Mm-hmm. Don't resist the call. And having this great, this great story acted out uh, where uh, who needs to, um, push past uh the fear even even the concern and mm-hmm. prove herself uh, to find out what she is truly capable of uh it, it took a risk to prove what she is truly capable of yeah. um and i think i just really felt that powerfully too of i love that this story wasn't just one crystal spoke to her 
but she could do that. Holy bleep. You mm. did the work of hundreds of Jedi. You did the work mm. that, this, that this Jedi at the beginning told us, I'm not sure if even I can fix this one. These are deeply corrupted. And you did it to two mountains worth mm. of just that level of holy bleep you 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 did something extremely important i I loved the scale of that um because it it just it made me think of that truth of fear and concern are always there people always tell you no and don't and they're only sometimes Mm. right only sometimes right it's a good way to look at it yeah Yeah. on that um and i really like the ideas that you're talking about as well about you know what is your calling and i like that we had that in the opening crawl of like this isn't something this this is something that the culture on, I believe, Corba values. This is something mm-hmm. her father values. This is yeah. his calling to uh, to mine the crystals, um, mm-hmm. and that, how that uh, ties to the literal idea of of uh, Au, um listening to her her calling and her song, and uh, mm-hmm. and then it even translates into the great Star Wars debate about is it, is it cool that <laughs> that the Jedi take uh, take kids away? I mm-hmm. love that this Jedi. Uh, says take two weeks to think about it so it's not <laughs> now or never kid yeah uh, in that great line of we cannot choose where our calling takes us only whether or not to answer uh yeah i think you're absolutely right on on that and and uh you know maybe if, maybe we'll find out that plo coon gave ahsoka a week or so to think about it maybe we'll find that <laughs> out maybe some uh, youtube video essays will calm down <laughs> yeah, but we know the elders of uh of Ahsoka's village are already like, yeah, it took took you long enough to find her. We've known the little Ahsoka has <laughs> connection to the force, which we value. So yeah. get get on it, Blokoon. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Uh any other um oh that that was that was the question I wanted to ask you. So it, it's incredibly important tradition to the people of Korba that they are miners. Do you think that they're still gonna mine all those Kyber? It's just way easier now because they're not <laughs> evil yeah. cyber that hates them <laughs> no I, I but i think that's part of what i loved about that's uh, again with her, her her father it's it's um I, I love what you said about but uncle owen new hope wasn't saying farmers are bad or farming is not needed <laughs> it wasn't luke's calling and, and and luke has to find that out brew kind of figured it out and owen needs to understand it uh um uh, that plays out a lot in real world ways and i, I just said so there's something i really loved about her dad's like yeah yeah, I, I, this is needed as well, and I think now they get to continue that, and now get to play a uh, little little space checkers a little uh, uh, with more of a easy heart because they know that maybe they're not going to get killed when they go to those mining caves. It is this really great fantasy of you know what if you come from a mining tradition which is very dangerous, mm-hmm. and you can in an instant make it much safer and more fun, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the mining tradition is still there. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I almost want to see a sequel to this one. Uh, did you have favorite uh, beats, comedy shots? Uh, lo- oh, there's a great shot of when, when I was singing and, and, and the red and blue meet. Uh, mm. Beautiful uh, painting that belongs on a wall uh, and just really highlighting her, her purpose changing the crystals. I, I love that. I love that moment. Yeah. I, I love that this one had opening text. It wasn't a scroll, but it was very much in the mm. tradition of the scroll. And it, and it gave us that important mm. context that this is an era of healing. And this is a long time generational calling of the people of Corva to mine these crystals. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, 
you already mentioned it too, but I just, I love the miners playing the, the board game. Mm. Uh, I don't know if it was Dejeric, uh with, with carved pieces, but it, uh, in one of them going, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love the design of the city overall. Beautiful stuff. Just, um, uh, you, you felt it, you know what I mean? You yeah. It. Yeah. That one shot of them, the city's in the distance and they're going around the curve and you're kind of, mm-hmm. you're riding with them. Uh, that was a great shot. Um, yeah. The, in terms of like looking at visions and going, well, canon, not canon, all that stuff, I would deeply love this Jedi to leap directly into canon. Uh, the design yeah. of this Jedi was just the, so Jedi-like, but mm-hmm. so different and cool. I I adored it. I'm with you on that, with you on that so much. This entire series, but this one, just love the, love the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to try to get uh, out of here under two hours. There's just so much to talk about with all these shorts. Uh, ultimately, Ken, what did you get out of seeing these different cultural takes on Star Wars? Uh, Visions Volume 1, we obviously uh, talked about. Greatly value to to have Japanese culture and storytelling so influence Star Wars. It was absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful to have uh, all of these Japanese creators comment on Star Wars. Now, we're, now it's this different journey where it's all sorts of different cultures. What ultimately did you get out of that? I think it was the right decision to start volume one as they did. And I remember when the announcement for volume two came out and this is what they were doing. I had a little bit of a, not a negative reaction, but it's like, huh, okay. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, that, does that seem fair? <laughs> to, yeah. To volume one is like, I don't know. Um, but um, I, I'm just absolutely moved by the passion. And the, these stories were bursting out of the creators and, it almost like that, you know, when we find um, when we have a Star Wars hat on or a pin on your jacket and you find that one person, even as popular Star Wars is, uh, was and will continue to be. But that you find that one person on the tram or the in the bar or the restaurant who's like, oh, hey, and, and, and they're just waiting for you and you're waiting for them to talk about it. This is kind of what I felt with the creators of, of, of finally they got asked, what do you think about Star Wars? And they were like, here's what I think about Star Wars. Uh, and it's interesting that when you ask a, a bunch of filmmakers and, and artists and creators from around the world to do something inspired by Star Wars, there's designs, there's aesthetics, there's stormtroopers, there's tech, there's lightsabers, there's crystals. Yep, yep, yep. But it's the themes that emerge more than, than anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're telling stories. So yeah, there's going to be themes to these stories. But but that's what's universal. Um, how you you know, how you like your stormtrooper armor, how you like your blasters, or your <laughs> that can be, that can change. It's very personal, but the themes truly, truly universal. And that's what I took from it. Yeah. I, I I'm right there with you. I, I think that it is important for us as humans to celebrate uh, what is different. I, I think that it's mm-hmm. great that, that each individual person and each individual culture is, is different. Uh, but then within that difference, what is universal? And I think that's so powerful uh, to be celebrated here because I, I think in some of these shorts there are, I, I perceive the history of this specific culture. Um, mm-hmm. I perceive the, the, um, the foods, the clothing, um, the landscapes, uh, things that are different. Um, but then things that are absolutely the same mm-hmm. and to see what people gravitate toward from the fun, cool side of star Wars of like, you're talking about the, the armor, the design, the, the crystals, but then what are the thematic ideas? And, mm-hmm. and in particular, a, a couple of them being like, this idea is always played within star Wars. What is, what is our take on it? What do we think is, is the answer mm-hmm. to 
the question that's raised by this theme uh, is great. But then I think it's really it is really powerful to to look at stories told around the world and what are what are the things that pop up again and again mm. in uh, in this season of Visions. Uh, lots of Sith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lots of uh, oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of terrible, terrible losses. There are huge amounts of awful, awful tragedy mm-hmm. in in these stories, but they're all stories of people still persevering, yeah. uh, often through connection of family, often through preservation of culture, often through preservation of hope, often through mm-hmm. preservation of fighting for the future and you take a step forward, but you're really helping the next generation. The The starkness of how much it draws out that Star Wars is a story about the light surviving mm-hmm. and even thriving in opposition to crushing mm-hmm. darkness. Mm-hmm. That was powerful. That all around the world, people wanted to tell stories of people pushing back and succeeding mm-hmm. against oppression. Uh, very universal, you would think, huh? Yeah, yeah there it was. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Last thing I want to call out is th- this season had a lot of different visions of women with power. And mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Um, I don't want to belabor it, but even in the last couple of days, I just, you know, uh, I've decided to, uh, against Yoda's advice in Revenge of the Sith, uh, you know, if you look into the Twitter replies, only pain will you find. <laughs> um, I've, I've done it a couple of times. Oh, well, I just wanted yeah. to remind myself that it's there and it's, mm-hmm. it's Star Wars, it's Indiana Jones, it's Marvel stuff, it's real life stuff. And mm-hmm. maybe there are bots, who knows why, but you know what? Sexism is real. Mm-hmm. It's still here. I, oh, uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it's it's powerful and upsetting, and I love seeing something like like visions that mm-hmm. is just saying like, yeah, you can you can scream and you can rant and you can create fake Twitter mm-hmm. accounts to harass people, uh, but these stories aren't stopping. Yeah, here's endless beautiful stories of women with power uh this is here and if you don't like it then uh you you will be alone in your rage because we're moving forward yeah uh you cannot stop change uh the the change is already um always is always happening it's only a matter of when uh, you either adjust or you you leave uh, is how i kind of look at it uh yeah sometimes you go into the replies to you know be reminded of that uh, unfortunately yep yep i'm with you and and uh uh, th- these uh, these characters fully formed uh, in, in wonderful positions um, of all ages and all ranges. But uh, the mother energy was strong, too, when we talked mm-hmm. often, especially with Jennifer, that uh, Star Wars has uh, gotten better and better, always needs to to, to continue to, to, to change and grow. But, you know, the father energy, the father issues have always been strong in Star Wars and always will and always should. It's part of this. But mm-hmm. this one really, uh, really uh, kind of uh, stepped up that kind of look at the, the mother side of Star Wars. Yeah. Yep. The mother side and in, in the family side and all sorts of sides, but definitely some great Star Wars moms. Do you have any hopes for Vision Season 3? 
Uh, uh, two things. First thing is no notes. Keep going. I really mean that. Uh, <laughs> they have a good handle of it. Um, it's it's. I think it's a. I think it's important. I, I think it's it's uh, Lucasfilm and and all the people behind it. You know, I know James Wan's often front and center on, on a lot of the press tour and stuff. Uh, I think they got a handle on it on why and and there's a little bit of responsibility of of with this big giant thing and um. There's always, yes, money to be made, uh, profits to be found, all those kind of things. This is a business. I get it. But I think there's a real warm intention behind this series and why I think it uh, should and, and will continue to go. Uh, it's Star Wars going. We understand we're Star Wars and we understand all around the world uh, people engage with us. So let's try to find uh, ways to, to directly engage back with them. Yeah. Well said. Uh, I agree with you. I hope that there's just a continued expansion of uh, cultures involved. Um I know there is a business side, you know, but if that even means uh, some even smaller animation houses getting um, getting a leg up, getting exposure, getting a budget they might not already uh, always have access to, mm-hmm. uh, that would be great. Um, I also wouldn't be against a season that is a mix of brand new stories and ideas in one or two continuations of uh, yeah. of existing ones. That was my second note of I wouldn't mind a season with some follow up films from the first two volumes because I think that somebody source all of them done so well, but there's some specific ones that I'm like, ooh, but what's next? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. That is our big look at Visions Season 2. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. We are on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more. Just search. You'll find us merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Patreon.com slash Force Center is where you can support us directly. I'm at Kadnapsuck and Kadnapsuck.com. Joseph, where are you at? And take us home. Yeah, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Mastodon, TikTok, all kinds of places under the handle at Joseph Scrimshaw on all of them. If you are interested in supporting us some art, I have a Kickstarter running for a short horror film that's uh, about the intersection between horror and comedy and fandom and all sorts of things. It's called The Nightmare Adorable. Ken has kindly agreed to play a role in it. Uh, We are getting, uh, I believe when this episode released, uh, we'll be getting uh, close to funded and we'll be having some stretch goals announced very, very soon. So if you're interested in helping us out, uh, just go to Kickstarter and search for Joseph Scrimshaw there as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening. So uh, for myself, for Ken, for the fictional, theatrical, but Parisian-like dancer stage, this has been Forza. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.